0: Amen. So uh, Exodus chapter 15. Last week we watched God wipe out the whole Egyptian army. <clears throat> there was the finalization the Lord needed to show himself strong to, and, and that he was the Lord uh, to Egypt. He needed that message to get across. He said that, that he was going to have victory over Egypt and that they would know it, Right. But then we also see what he did in the hearts of the Israelites and how they were strengthened in their faith. Like I said, when we look at them, uh, we're going to look and we're going to see three days later, here they are whining again and doubting God again. Um, but just look in the mirror and, and uh, we see the same heart sometimes, don't we? So uh, that's, that's what we're looking at. The, the whole Egyptian army was uh, pursuing uh, Israel and there they are at the shore of the red sea there they didn't go uh to the land of the philistines where you think they would go would would seem to make sense the lord brought them down where he wanted them and uh the uh, egyptian army came to a point where they believed that uh that israel was lost they they were wandering and uh, they didn't know where they were going they're like now's our time and they as they're coming down israel sees them coming israel gets scared and and they go to Moses and Moses goes to the Lord and God's, I'll paraphrase, God says, I got it, guys, relax. You know, and, and he said that he's, he watched the salvation of Israel. And um, and then uh, we see the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire go behind them and it blinds the Egyptian army and it gives Israel light. Right. Then the Red Sea is parted and they get to go through on dry, uh, dry land. And uh, eventually, the Lord removes uh, the, the the pillar, so that they think they can go. They go, and they get their, their, as they're going along, uh, they start getting to the point where they uh, the wheels are falling off the chariots, and uh, and they're trying to. It, it, the way it's described uh, is is that the chariots are getting dragged, right? The 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 horses are still trying to drag them, and the Egyptians realize we've made a big mistake. The Lord is fighting for them. We need to turn back, and essentially they get to a point where it's too late for them. and those walls that were standing up for Israel, uh, God you know slammed them down uh, together onto uh, the Egyptians and and swallows them up with the Red Sea, and they all die and and the end of fourteen says that they could see the Egyptians uh, just floating lifeless. And uh, that was, the, uh, that was uh, what they saw and that they started to trust again. They were trusting the Lord and trusting Moses again. So verse 15 says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed uh, gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So uh, this is the first recorded song in the Scripture." and uh, so it's a it's a pretty neat one uh, to look at because The last recorded song in the scripture is in Revelation uh, 15, verses uh, 3 and 4. And it's uh, regarding those who have victory over the beast. It says those that have victory over the beast will sing. In Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4, it says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall uh, not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy; for all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. So the first song recorded in the Scripture and the last song recorded in the Scripture, both songs of Moses. That's 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 a powerful thing to to consider. You know how did God use Moses, an imperfect man? And to see that he used him so powerfully uh, in uh, Israel and in the deliverance of Israel that we've studied all through uh, the book of Exodus so far, and that we see Moses in the Gospels. We see the law of Moses referred to uh, all through uh, the epistles. And then we see at the end of the scripture in Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4, that it's the song of Moses that's being referenced. So very powerful uh, thing to consider as we're reading through this. Now, uh, what we see here is that there's this song that's being uh, started, and it's it's quite a thing to think like after this massive victory, this deliverance from uh, from Egypt once and for, once and for all, it's it's done now you know they had been through the months of all the plagues and and the 430 years of being captive all those things have already taken place and now they've seen their their oppressors swallowed up in the red sea and it's done and they don't have to look back over their shoulder anymore you guys ever had to be there at that point looking over your shoulder that's the you know if you've got beef with somebody in school right <laughs> You know, if there was a problem in middle school or high school, you're always kind of looking around looking for the guy, right? So much more so. They knew that Egypt was ready to either kill him or bring him back. And uh it, it's it's a great relief to them to know that their oppressors are gone. And they begin to sing this song, and they're singing praises to him because he triumphed gloriously over Egypt. You know they, they had witnessed this deliverance and God guiding them uh, by the pillar of smoke and fire, Egypt pursuing them, Israel saw, and they were afraid, and the God sent that, like, like we just talked about, sent the pillar behind them, that they were able to witness all these things and go through all these things, that uh, as they cried out to the Lord, he literally parts the Red Sea for them, and they walk through safely, and then they watch their enemies get swallowed up, the horse and the rider and as as we'll see as we go uh, go through here and uh look at look at verse 1 it even says it here the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea we talked about the wheels falling off the chariots they realized that god had frustrated their efforts tried to retreat but it was too late and they watched their enemies get swallowed up so they go to song psalm 20 verse 7 i've quoted it several times uh, recently, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The the one that you thought would be mighty, that I mean, if you're looking, uh, if you consider, I, I I've always enjoyed sports. I did sports as a as a kid, and and uh, even today I enjoy sports. But uh, it's 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 funny to look at on paper. People will say, oh, this team's going to destroy this team. On paper, yes. But there's a reason they play these games, right? Because you never know. They Even in football, they'll say any given Sunday, all those things, right? If you were to look at this on paper, 600 choice ch- chariots and everything else, and then you've got some people on foot, right? And they got their knapsacks uh, with the goods that, that the Lord allowed for them to have, and they're just walking out of Egypt. And they walk up to, to water. So, uh, seemingly, if you're, you're looking at this uh, potential battle coming up, you're seeing one uh, who has nowhere to go and no way to fight, and the other one coming with 600 choice chariots and then all the other chariots. So, I mean, you're talking about a, a massive military uh, you know, onslaught coming at one and one being uh, defenseless. It seems as though that would be a helpless situation. And and one that would be so lopsided that there wouldn't be a chance for victory on, on the one that's that's unarmed. They have no way of escape, right? And they have no way to fight back. They're stuck right there. But they have to trust in the Lord. And we see the Lord took care of the whole thing for them. They had to do nothing but walk, right? Think of think of the implications in there spiritually for us. You know, if you, if you put ourselves in that spiritual situation like they're in and all we have to do is walk and follow the Lord, he is going to lead us. He's going to make us so that we can, our path can be straight in him and he's going to take care of everything. It's the circumstances, right? We talked about this recently. I don't remember what service it was and what passage we were studying. My mind gets a little, uh, you know, blended up, uh, you know, after a little bit, but, um. When we were discussing uh, in one service uh, the Lord calling um, Peter out at his request to walk on the water, right? And, and we talked about this. And uh, Peter's walking on the water. And as long as he's focused on Jesus, he can walk on that water. But when he starts looking at the circumstances and the storm around him, that, and he loses his focus on the Lord, that's where the trouble happens. Right there's so much for us to gain from that what we see here is they're starting to sing a song saying we were completely helpless And the lord took care of the horse and its rider and all we had to do was walk You know spiritually all we have to do is walk with the lord and he takes care of everything Right all things work for good for those uh, Who love god and are called according to his purpose So we can just love god and walk as he's telling us to and he's going to take care of everything we can trust that our lives are in uh, his hands and that we're we're safe. Verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So as we're reading through this, you're going to see, if you've been here with us through our Sunday night services uh, the, uh, this reads like a psalm or not even with us in the Sunday night services, but each of them, uh, when you're reading through, uh, there's, especially if David's writing it, there's that, that, that cry out, like I'm going to die Lord, <laughs> right? He, he's constantly fighting for his life. And, uh, and who does he cry out to the one that can help him. So as we're reading through here, we're going to see, uh, we are in this situation and God took care of it and they were able to cry out. So, uh, what we see, uh, being uh put together here uh in the verse 3 verses is a pattern for true worship the emphasis on the lord who he is and what he has done for his people so as we're studying through this understand this is true worship right consider what what we we call singing songs together and lifting our voices to the lord that time of worship but us actually getting up and coming to this building is an act of worship and gathering together in his name. Another part of that worship is, is praying to him. Another part is singing to him and being in his word together and having those things. And uh, so when you put all those together, that's all worship of the Lord. That's true worship and it's God being glorified. But, but we often will say, uh, well, let's, let's now worship God and we're just going to compartmentalize that into songs and I'm not trying to say that we're being sinful in doing so or anything but if if we understand that that worship is so much more than that worship is serving God when we're outside these walls that we're personally so this is corporate worship, but that individual worship we have uh where we're alone with the Lord in the word and we're alone as we're driving we're singing to him or talking with him you know that's that's worshiping god but it, so what we see as is a true pattern of of you know, corporate worship—that God is being glorified, and uh, the emphasis on is on Him and what He has done for His people. Verse four: Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. He has chosen; uh, his chosen uh, captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. Now we've discussed this before, but I'm just going to say it's not the 18-inch swamp, the Reed Sea. Uh, that's uh, there. There is a uh, a teaching out there that that's that clings to that, and it's just so silly on all all fronts to consider that eighteen inches of water is going to overwhelm the most powerful uh, military on the on the face of the earth uh, while they're in chariots. Have you ever not? Have you ever seen a horse that's pulling a chariot? that can't pull it through uh, you know a foot and a half of water. Uh, that that would be crazy, right? If you're if you're considering the reed, uh, see the swamp. Uh, that, that is not. It was the Red Sea that God miraculously parted that Israel could walk through. And they did so on dry ground. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like, like a stone. You know, it, you ever, you ever like taken a, uh, this is, I just realized this thought. Like you ever taken a cinder block when you're out on a boat and throw, the, but that's a bad thing to think of, right? They always talk about, uh, you know, somebody being tied to that cinder block. That's a bad thing. What I'm saying is you ever taken... Something heavy, okay, we'll say throw it into a pool, and you can watch it go right down to the bottom. We had a pool when I was a kid in in, uh, an in-ground pool, and um, it was always fun. Uh, We'd have our friends over. Uh, We almost never slid down the slide. For us, it was climbing up the slide, jumping off the side of the slide over the cement. My mom yelling at us every time we did because one kid did come over and fall and, and thankfully didn't get killed like we could have. We were always doing stuff, always throwing stuff into there. And you throw something heavy. I, I when we take my dog out to to the lake or to a pond or whatever, and I I take a rock and throw it to him. Boom! It sinks, and he's still looking for it like it's it's not sunk to the bottom instantly. But that's what's being described here. They sank like a stone. They were just just enveloped by these waves and just crushed by these waves, and and they went you know straight down. And that was it. They were already down there, but they just if they were starting to rise up then as that water's coming down it's just they they were swallowed up like a stone <clears throat> verse 6 says your right hand o lord has become glorious in power your right hand o lord has dashed the enemy in pieces so the uh, as as you consider how this song sings they're they're thinking and they're describing how god defeated uh egypt's army exactly he did it they're 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 singing this so it's going to be something they remember even more right when it becomes a song and uh, that would be sang even after this and the uh, when, when it's saying here uh, the right hand the right hand was uh, the hand of power or honor so they're talking about God's power when it says with your <clears throat> with your right hand I've dashed the enemy in pieces in verse seven says, and in greatness, the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. It, With the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil my desire shall be satisfied on them i will draw my sword my hand shall destroy them you blew with your wind the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters if that doesn't describe ultimate just destruction of them if they had the mindset of we're going we're conquering we're taking them out there are no more chances for them you know we we are uh, these guys are getting wiped out they got to the point where it was, we're not even going to you know, try to bring them back. We just want to kill them, is, is the, what's being described here. They that, that What they're saying here is that their enemy was drawing the sword. My hand shall destroy them. We're mad. We're wrathful. And they're coming after And God took care of it all. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. It's not the mighty swamp. It was the mighty Red Sea. The, 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 those heavy waves, boom, and it wiped them all out, took them right out. What a song of deliverance to sing. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed, you have guided them, and your strength to your holy habitation. You notice the you, 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 you. They are, when they're realizing they have freedom and victory, they are giving the praise to whom it is due. You, you, you did all these things. It wasn't like, hey God, we were really fast, we were really stealthy, and uh, you know, we, we were able to escape. Every address uh, in every praise in this song is to God for what he has done. Verse 11, when it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? That's speaking of the victory that he displayed over the false gods of Egypt. When, When we discussed as we're going through the plagues and how God addressed those plagues, uh, excuse me, those, those gods that they were worshiping and God wiped out and, and he showed himself strong to defeat all of them. And uh, when they say who is, who is, you know, like our God, that's a, it's a rhetorical question, but the answer is there's none like him, right? Who is like our God? None. Right. Uh, but it's also, the, there's the, the, the rhetoric in there also. So Uh, We see here that God, at the end of 13, says, You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. You know, that God is the one to lead them to their inheritance. They understood this. They understood that, that where they were being led out, they were being led to something. And Moses, as he's leading them in this song, this is a song of them trusting the Lord that he was going to lead them somewhere. And they had been told of a place that they were going to go. Verse 14, the people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on all of them, uh, will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm They will be as still as a stone Till your people pass over O Lord till your people pass over Whom you have purchased You will bring them in And plant them in the mountain of your inheritance In the place O Lord which you have made for your own dwelling The sanctuary O Lord which your hands have established The Lord shall reign forever and ever god glorifies his own name he reigns forever when when these things that are being said here consider where it says in verse 14 and and where there's the description there of the future enemies that they're going to face being afraid and we discussed this right when they read when they finally got the spies got to rahab the harlot rahab's like where have you guys been Everybody's been so afraid and we're, you know what, what have you guys been doing for the last 40 years right? I like like where have you guys been? We just keep hearing about the God of Israel and how he's delivered you guys and and, and in plain, just a paraphrase of it is like we've been waiting for you. where have you been? Because everybody heard about the God of Israel and what happened I mean that's cataclysmic news, right when we, when you think of something something that powerful that happens and the news that spreads. And that it was the God of Israel that was being credited for. It. So all these nations are like, oh well, because they, they're all serving so many false gods, and then they're like, wait a minute. We thought Egypt had it all together. Egypt is wiped out. You know, consider you know the God of Israel and their fear that's going to, to fall on everybody. Notice there that it says in sixteen, till the people pass over whom you have purchased, they belong to God. Now we know that we have been purchased as New Testament believers, right? We have been purchased by the blood of Christ. That he laid down the cost uh, for our souls was uh, the son of God's life. That our sin would be paid for by his blood being shed for us on the cross. That we have been purchased. Verse 19, For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. All this summarizes God's final victory over Egypt on behalf of his children Israel. Verse 20, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances and Miriam answered uh, them sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea so Miriam Moses's older sister remember she watched uh, her mother put Moses in that ark that she had made in obedience to the command for them to put their children uh, in the river for them to uh, to to die. She said, well, I'll put him in the river, but I'm going to make this ark. And she had made it waterproof and sent him down. And as Moses was floating through, uh, she watched him. And she followed him and she watched him get found. And then she proposed a great plan to Pharaoh's daughter saying, hey, do you want me to go fetch one of the Hebrew women? And uh, not only did did, uh, Moses' mother get him back, she got paid to take care of and to nurse her own son. Just a wonderful uh, thing to consider here. So this Miriam, and we're going to see more of Miriam as we as we progress through the scriptures. But here she's leading the ladies in a celebration of God's victory, the victory of their freedom. And uh, the things that she's saying are echoing the, the words of Moses, the beginning of the song. And they're singing God's victory over their oppressors, the ones that held them captive. You know, that God had showed himself mightier than they. Uh, Israel uh, had no power in and of themselves against Israel. So uh, this prayer and uh, sorry, this song, as uh, any song that we're singing about the victories we have in our lives, should include w- who uh, gave us that victory. And and as we've already discussed and covered, they were doing that with this song. God gave the total and complete victory uh, in His power. He and He alone. Uh, would get the glory verse 22 so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea then they went out to the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water now when they came to Mara they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter therefore the name of it was called Mara Mara means bitter So they name the place Bitter. This water is bitter. This place is bitter. I'm thirsty. I'm bitter. We're just bitterness, right? There's bitter. Bitter, 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 right? And uh, so they've got everything here. Uh, They can't find water. They're back to doubting God and Moses again. And they just watched him part the Red Sea. It's not logical for us to see such victory in our lives as they saw and as God has given us, to then question him three days later and say, God, you never even cared about me, and you just did this so that I could die. It doesn't make any sense, right? It, it just doesn't. When you put all this together, that God would, would pour out those awful plagues, the judgments that he poured out on Egypt that they deserve. Right? They were oppressing his people. They were murdering his people. And God said that all the way back in Genesis 15 that he was going to judge them. Right, So now the judgment's complete. They've been delivered. They've watched their, their enemy be swallowed up. And now they're walking in the wilderness and they're going, God's already forgotten about us. Right, I, it's, it's, it's funny because we look at them and we laugh and we're, ah, ha, ha. And, and, and as I've already said, we, we are so like them so like them right we're like oh no well this is the big one <laughs> right this is the big one my uh my father-in-law will say that to the kids when they were babies and they they'd start whining and crying you know and he'd be like oh this is the big one you know the, the 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 thing like they they just thought their lives were over and that's always stuck with me i'd laugh every time he'd do it can't find the water Now they're afraid and uh, they're saying uh, just bitterness, you know, is, is everywhere. Verse 24, and the people complained against Moses saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. And said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters, so the people had cried out, they complained to Moses, and Moses cries out to the Lord, and God shows him a tree and uh, he is uh, he is told to uh, to cast that tree uh, in the water, and as he cast it in it made the water sweet. This is a supernatural thing that happens. what God is saying is take that tree throw it in the water we're going to make it we're going to make it sweet and and you'll be able to drink it he did and they they drank it there there's been weird explanations like oh it was it was this one tree and even if that was god led them right to that one tree that could feed that could you know give water to 2 million people but in the height of the summer, uh, we, don't, we don't drink my, uh, my faucet water, so we get my dad has awesome uh, well water. So my dad will bring by gallons of water throughout the week, and we'll drink those up. But in the summer, we have five of us. And especially if there's soccer go, summer soccer going on, five gallons might last us a day, right? Because I was like, we're going through so much water, maybe I ought to get one of those Poland spring things, they deliver the water. I'd be poor if we did that. When we go through some water, Right. I mean, you're talking four or five gallons a day in the summer and and uh, consider this is up to two million people right around two million people that, that, that have got to be uh, need water now. Three days without water moving. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, take the twig, throw it in the water uh, and, and, and or, or anything, it, no matter how big that thing was. 'Cause some will say, well, well, it was it was that 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 twig and that twig would affect it. for two million people instantly? No. It was an obedience thing, right? It doesn't make sense. There's water there. Throw a tree in it and and, uh, and it's gonna make it drinkable for you. Right? It, it just it just doesn't make sense when you look at it. But God used that as a teaching moment to declare to uh, the Israelites that he had just healed, as he had just healed their water. He could heal their bodies if they trusted him. And he says, "I am the Lord your God, who can heal you." Right? They just need to trust in him. So then they get to a place where there's twelve wells. I find that pretty interesting. Twelve wells, twelve tribes. Right? That's pretty cool. Twelve wells and palm trees for shelter. You know, I, we just flew down to Florida. Don't ask me why we went in beginning of August. I don't have a rational answer for you. I have three kids and they, uh, when we're balancing out college high uh, college schedules, soccer, all these things, it pretty much came down to the first week of August or December. My vote was December. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, but they, they came up with a, a good reason. Okay. And, uh, Man, was I looking for shade the whole time I was down there. As soon as we landed, we get to the airport, and the kids are like, I want to see palm trees, right? And, I, and I'm like, I do too, because that means we are going to have shade, okay? And we found ourselves walking in between. I mean, as we're walking, we go to Disney Springs or we go to wherever we're going, I just wanted to be in the air conditioning. I didn't care if there was an hour ride. Sweet. I get to go inside that cool constru- uh, constructed building Where you know, oh, this is awesome, and they really just did it, so you don't look at the line that's a million people long, and you're gonna have to wait an hour in it. It was air conditioned, and it was it was dark in there. Oh, perfect, you know. And and Jen and I would uh, just say, yep, we're gonna go on that ride. You know, Toy Story ride was awesome, and uh, and we we had a great time with it. Uh, But because we wanted that shade, that shade is so awesome. Look at verse 26. It says, diligently. There's the word diligently. The Lord is saying, if you diligently, diligently heed the His voice, and do what is right in the sight of the Lord, give ear to His commands and keep His statutes, I will put. Then there's the blessing, right? They for them specifically, it meant you're not going to have to worry about the sicknesses and everything. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take care. Excuse me, take care of you. Diligently seeking the Lord, there's a diligence required. In our walk with the Lord, if our walk with the Lord consists of I'm going to listen to Caleb in the morning and I'm going to listen to the special verse of the day or whatever. And I've got my my okay. So spiritually, you got to cheese it. Right. And that's one. Like you ate a cheese it for the day and and your spirit is starving. Right. We, We have to get into the word. We have to be in prayer. We have to. It's it's that constant. okay? listen to more than uh, you just that or whatever it is. okay, guys, I think you get the point. What I'm saying here, there's a diligence that we're called to to seek the Lord, to be in his word, but then to actually with our actions serve him and to please him diligently, that there'd be a diligence about uh, the way we live our lives. So they are at a point of bitterness and helplessness uh, without the Lord, we see here, and um, understand that we are going to have times of bitterness. We are. Times of bitterness aren't always a result of sin. Israel wasn't sinning and obeying God and and going through uh, as God is leading them out, but they still got to that point where They're literally in the land of bitter or Mara. They call it the land of of bitterness, right? They're right there. We're going to experience those times. That's going to happen. Be prepared for them because there are tests, right? What did did God say uh, in verse 25? It says, uh, uh, there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. We're going to have tests, trials for our faith. And as we've discussed before, those trials are to strengthen our faith and, and and to and to build us and to strengthen us. So when we consider trials, uh, like James says, to consider pure, pure joy because we understand the backside of that. The end result of that trial is a stronger believer in Christ. That's that's uh, why we can look at one of those things and 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 understand that. Oh, you know what? This isn't any fun, uh, but. That's when the time of testing is coming, uh, and we just need to trust the Lord. But after the bitterness is Elam. As we're walking with the Lord, after the bitterness comes the place where there's 12 wells and 70 palm trees, spiritually, that we can go, now I'm so blessed. Why would I question God? God's like, why would you, right? (laughs) Right? And he would speak to us like that. Like, yeah, that was foolish of you to do it. The land where there's plenty of water, there's plenty of palm trees and shade, provision, rest. They have all those things. Why are we so quick to question God and, and his faithfulness toward us and his ability to preserve us and provide for us, right? Remember what Jesus said. Uh, would, actually, if you would, uh, you would turn with me, we'll look at some verses here in Matthew chapter 6. We'll see what the Lord has to say about us and our worry and how God can take care of us. Matthew 6, 25. I will share that uh, Matthew 6 has a, special place in my heart. It's the, uh, the Beatitudes were being preached by Ken Graves up on Somerset street in, um, uh, Calvert Chapel when it was across the street from John Babst. Um, so that was, I mean, I was 18 years old. That was 25 years ago. And I remember being there, um, as far as I know, um, it might have been when I was in college. Uh, no, this would have been right before I went to college. Um, and I remember uh, hearing Ken talk about uh, speaking from the Beatitudes, and I I, uh, I asked the Lord to be my Savior at that time. I didn't want the Lord. I didn't want a Lord over my life, but I wanted a Savior, and I knew that. right. But God did something special in my heart because I know that it, there was that stirring. And um, because even after that, I went to college at Husson and I would party Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and whatever night it was. I was 17, 18 years old. But I remember going there sometimes uh, after a night of partying or whatever, and I'd sit there. And um, uh, one day I, I got decided to get baptized. And uh, I walked into my my mom lived in Bangor on um, uh, 13th Street, 14th Street. And I uh, showed up at her house dripping wet. (laughs) You know, I just, I didn't bring any clothes. I didn't plan to be baptized. And I told my mom, Mom, I got baptized today. And uh, just because, uh, you know, it's just uh, what kids do? You let your mom or dad know when something happens, right? Why are you all wet? And it was like wintertime, you know, and and I just showed up. And she told me she still remembered that. But Matthew 6 has a special place in my heart. It it just speaks to me, and I think uh, obviously when we read them, we're we're, the Beatitudes. We're blessed, anyways. I think most people are. But Matthew six twenty five says, "Therefore I say to you, Jesus speaking. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing?" Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today, for the day, is its own trouble. Sufficient for today is its own. Don't worry about eat, drink, what are you going to wear? Do we? Yes. (laughs) Right? It's sinful for us to worry. It was sinful for them to worry because we're offending God when he's shown himself nothing but strong on our behalf all the time. And here they are three days after watching this great victory happen and they just don't have any water. So what do they do? They cry out against Moses. They cry out against the Lord. And uh, now, uh, you know, God says, I'm going to take care of you. And he provides the water, the, 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 Tree gets thrown in the water and God shows himself strong one more time and uh, they are provided for and they're they're blessed. And uh, they've, they've got all the water that they need. And uh, as they move forward, um, they they get to a point next uh, where they start questioning, well, where's the food coming from? Right. So there's just the you know. Have you, so remember. When they get and they're right on the shore of the Red Sea, they're like, "You brought us here because there wasn't enough place uh, places to bury us there." And now they get across the water and now they're thirsty and they're saying, "Well, you should have just killed us back there." And then they get hungry and they say, "Wouldn't we have been better just to deal with the pots of food that we had back there?" Now they've described everything in, verse, in chapter 16. We're just going to read through it. We got about 15 minutes. Let's read through it. And they journeyed from Elam, and the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, (laughs) uh, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in in the land of Egypt. Where we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, uh, kill this whole assembly with hunger. Just the foolishness. Yeah, the whip really hurt, and man, they had, you know, double time. You're going to, you're, you're going to have to, you know, keep your quota, but we're not going to help you out at all. You're going to have to get your straw. You're going to have to get everything better. Get moving. What are you doing standing around? Start whipping people. Like, go, go, go. And all they can remember is that they had food and enough bread to make them full. Guys, we are so carnal. If we let our flesh lead us, this is how we act. God, you're not enough for me. All you want to do is kill me. Goodness, I can't even fill my belly like I used to. Because that's all we're worried about is fulfill you know filling the flesh's needs, right? Verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out to gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So with God's saying again, he's going to test them, right? And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what what are we? But what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us but against the Lord. So you want bread? You want want meat? Watch what God's going to do. Because here you are, you're whining about meat while you were in bondage, and you want bread, God is going to give us those things. Your complaints are against him, though. He's warning it. There's a warning here. There's a correction in what he's saying. Verse 9, Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Uh, you, you guys get the, the feeling there? It's like, you better come home. Dad's home and wants to talk to you, Right? <laughs> it was one of those right now it came to pass as Aaron spoke the uh, to the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud and the Lord spoke to Moses saying I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel speak to them saying at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God how patient is God with us How gracious and merciful is God with us? I mean, my goodness. He could have given them the whole history lesson right there and given them the verbal spanking that they needed. And what does he say? Watch this. And as I'm doing this, I'm going to test them. Because there's instructions, right? They were to go and take enough for one day. One day. Watch what happens. So we see quail and manna being introduced here verse 13 so it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp and when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness uh, was small was a small round substance as far uh, as fine as the frost uh, on the ground so when the children of Israel saw it they said to one another what is it For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's needs. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel uh, did so and gathered some more, uh, some less. So when they measured it by Omers, who had gathered much, uh, he who uh, gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, "Let no one leave any of it until morning." So God said, "You want meat? You want bread? I'll give you just enough for each day." Remember Jesus in the model prayer said, "Give us this day our daily bread," right? "Give us this day our daily bread." Look all the way back to here. You can tie the line the the you can draw the line right from uh, Exodus chapter 16 all the way to Jesus in the model prayer. This day, give us this day daily bread. What I need to survive what do I need to survive, Lord? Give me that. And that's what they were told to take. Take no more, take no less. Take what you are uh, get what you are uh, to take. One omer for each person was what they were to take, right? Notwithstanding, look at verse 20. They did not heed Moses. <laughs> Man, these are some knuckleheaded people. But some of them left part of it until morning. And bread worms and uh, and bread worms and stank and Moses Moses was angry with them. He'd walk by their house and it was like, "Oh, right, you know their tent just smelled awful." Yeah, and everybody knew the the filth of disbelief and and distrust in the Lord. Right? Isn't that what's pictured right there? God is saying, "I told you I'll provide for you every day. You don't trust me enough. You don't trust me enough. What you do trust in, I'm going to bring to nothing." And it's going to stink. Your life's going to stink. Your house is going to stink. Think about it, like how that permeates through everything, right? Verse 21, so they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. (laughs) Point taken, gotcha, right? And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day. So there was no like, hey, we're just going to leave this and we'll come back and get some. No, nope. whatever wasn't gathered. If it was gathered and you gathered too much, it was going to stink. And if you were leaving some, it was going to melt. Trust God with every single uh, fiber of your being is what's, what's being uh, described here. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the uh, rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil. But lay up for yourselves all that remains to keep until morning. So they laid it up until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today uh, you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, uh, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So the food uh, in obedience, the food that was left in obedience didn't stink like the food that was uh, from the disobedience, right? It, it, it just this is, this is spiritual truth just being like God is giving us a buffet right in front of us that we can just feast on and understand here. So powerful. Verse 27 says, Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Dude, you're not getting the memo, right? They, they're they just like, oh. oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I got you. We're just going to come out here and you know see if there was any extra laying around. I'll be honest. I'm usually the one that goes for seconds, thirds, fourths, okay? I can't say that I, uh, in my flesh, wouldn't want to be one of those people to go get some more. Uh, but uh, but it is funny that it's listed here, right? They just showed, uh, like, there's just so much provision everywhere, right? We got these knuckleheads. Verse 28, and the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on six days bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day and the house of Israel called its name manna. What is it? Uh, And it was uh, like white, white coriander seed And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. You know, God is saying, you still had the yahoo's going out. Got to get the point across. When I say something, I mean it. God doesn't say something and is like, oh, yeah, I didn't really mean it that way. No, what God says, he means it the way he said he did. Verse 32. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer with it. To be kept for all generations, so for your generations, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. And the Lord commanded, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. Notice it would evaporate or it would be rotten after one day in disobedience or in distrust. This is bread to be kept for generations. That's another miraculous thing. And it was kept in it, right, right where it was supposed to be kept, right? It was there Aaron, uh, along with this uh, the, uh, Moses' staff. And just this is this is powerful, miraculous stuff that's happening here. That bread that would stink after one day, but in obedience, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, wither away and it wouldn't stink. It wouldn't go bad. Verse thirty five. And the children of Israel ate manna forty years until they came uh, to an inhabited land. That they ate manna until uh, they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an Omer is one-tenth of a nephah, 40 years eating the same food, right? Give us this day, our daily bread, for 40 years, right? You know, God had lessons for them. Did they survive? Yes, right? I know a lot of people that grew up poor, and they're like, you know what? I ate ramen every day when I was going through this part of my life, or we ate bread and butter, but we had meals on the table. Right. There was always something to be ate be eaten when it when it gets to the point that a box box macaroni and cheese kids don't want it. They've had enough of it. That's a lot of macaroni and cheese. Like how often does a kid say I mean, there are some kids that that's all they eat. I've got I know people that that's adults. That's all they'll eat. Adults. Adults. nope oh, mac and cheese or grilled cheese every meal. That's just them. Nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it is funny. Uh, hey, they're on their way to 40 years, I guess, but it's it's not a miraculously heaven heavenly food. But oh, God is so patient with us, isn't he? So gracious to provide all that we need. Just need to trust him, follow him. When we don't trust, it stinks. Our life stinks. Our attitude stinks. Uh, we stink. Uh, there's There's everything there, right? People don't want to be around somebody that stinks, right? And just, oh, that person stinks! I'm going to go in the other direction spiritually. When we stink like that, nobody wants to be around us, and it's evident, right? That stench is evident because wait a minute, there's something coming out of that life that doesn't smell right, doesn't appear right, right? We have all our senses; those spirit, just something isn't right here. But when we obey the Lord, we see what happens with the manna that was kept, right? Kept for generations. It didn't didn't go bad. God is very specific with his word. Let's follow him very carefully, diligently, like it says, right? Diligently seeking the Lord, and then we won't stink, right? We'll, we'll, have, we'll be producing fruit, and we'll experience the blessings of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for examples like this that we can chuckle at and see ourselves in. Lord, we pray that we will not be disobedient to your word. Something as simple. Lord, it's the most simple of things that you gave them to be obedient in, and they still failed at it. Lord, help us to understand that we have that still that same sinful mentality, but help us to realize and actualize in our life that that's not acceptable. We cannot live our lives that way. As Christians, we have to be strong. We have to grow. Help us to, Lord, we don't want to stink. We want to be uh, pleasing to you, sweet-smelling aroma to you. And that, Lord, we would be a blessing to you and those around us because we love you, we're seeking you diligently, and we're obeying your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.